Oswald uh, Chambers wrote in one of his books, he said, there, is no, there are no such things as prominent service and obscure service. It is all the same with God. And think about that for a second, because many times we, we talk about uh, those that are teaching, those that are elders, and then the nursery workers last. But it's not true, and, and so think about that as we go through this message. I trust that each of you had a joyous Christmas and are looking forward to all that God has in store for you in 2018. It's, it's going to be, I can't believe it, it's, it's been 10 years since I've been on staff came in 2007, of July 2007. It seems like it was just like a year ago that I arrived off the plane on the shores of the U.S. from Thailand and began this ride. It's, it's been enjoyable, and um, I've enjoyed all my time here. I, I know, I tell people a lot that I, I love being in Thailand. We were planning on just living the rest of our life out there, but God brought us back for a reason, and, and I'm, I've, I've enjoyed our time except cold weather. I'll tell you, I'll, I'm ready to go to Florida. But um, as I was thinking back, when I first came here, someone asked me, what are your goals for the congregation that you're going to be serving? I began thinking about that, and, and as I was thinking back, I thought, okay, so there's three things that, that I wanted to see happen. And is that as each person in the congregation grows in their faith, discovers their giftedness, and plugs in and finds their place of service in the kingdom of God. That hasn't changed. That's still what I want to see happen as a pastor. I did a wedding a couple weeks ago on a Saturday night. And uh, the photographer, as she came in, she was taking pictures. She, she, had, you know, she knew I was the reverend who was uh, doing the wedding. She says, oh, what church do you attend? And I says, I go to Cornerstone. And she said, I know you. You're the church that does all that community outreach. And I thought, wow, what a testament to y'all. It's not, it's not us as, as leadership. It's, it's you who are getting on the wall and, and, and doing things. And so as I was thinking and, and praying about what I'd like to share today, and a chapter in this, the chapter that, that um, Matthew read earlier just stood out to me. And I trust that as we go through this tonight, it'll be an encouragement to you who are already on the wall serving. But for those, it'll be a challenge and maybe a kick in the pants for those who are not yet discovered how, what a joy it is in serving Jesus, that this will be an encouragement to you. And today, as, as each of you have a, have a bulletin, take that bulletin. I don't want you to take notes on what I'm saying tonight. That's why there's nothing on there. I want you to take notes on what God is speaking to you about personally as you go through, as we go through this sermon, because I'm going to be giving you an opportunities to write things down as we go. All right? So have your pencil handy and grab your Bibles, open them to Joshua chapter 24. We're going to spend the bulk of our time there. And we're going to talk about point number one, which was let's remember. Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 14. 
Joshua says, Now therefore fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in faithfulness. Put away the gods that your fathers served beyond the river and in Egypt. Serve the Lord. Now right off the bat we see now therefore. And it's been a habit of mine to ask the question, what's the therefore therefore? Okay? So as we, we got to go back and get the context of what he's saying. He says, now therefore, we have to go back to verses 1 through 13 where he's giving a brief history of, of what God has done in the children of Israel. I'm not going to read this whole portion, but I want to go verse by verse and just give you the points of things that God did. So as you follow along, verses 1 to 13, you'll see these things as we go through. Starting in verse 3, it says, I took, led, I made, he also gave. Verse 4, I gave and gave. Verse 5, I sent, I plagued, then brought you out. Verse 6, I brought you out. Verse 7, I put darkness and made the sea cover them. And you saw all that I did. You lived. God had them live. Verse 8, I brought you into the land. They fought you, and I gave them into your hands and destroyed them. Verse 10, I blessed you. I delivered you. Verse 11, I gave them into your hand. Verse 12, I sent hornets and drove them out. And finally, verse 13, I gave. You see all this stuff that God did for the children? This just scratches the surface of all that God did for the children of Israel from the time they left Egypt till now. And so he is saying, let's remember that. Let's take a minute and think about that because this is all God's love and his grace that's evident in the children of Israel. So, I want to take a minute or so it's going to be about three minutes. And look back at all that God has done in Cornerstone since I've been here. Ten years. When I first came in 2007, our congregation was about 250. We had two services up at March Street. And that was it. Till now, we have just under 600 people on a weekend attending four services. That's God's grace. That's amazing, considering that we really don't have any parking, especially up at March Street. We don't have much parking. And, uh, and when it snows hard, then, then we have to cancel church because it's, there's nowhere to stop. There's nowhere to park. There's no classrooms. There's no place to expand. But yet God has blessed our church. We had a special Christmas service last weekend. Guess how many people were there? 1,200 just short of 1,200 people. And we took up an offering. This, is, this blew me away. We took up an offering for Bright Hope of the Lehigh Valley, which is one of our partner ministries. You guys, you ladies, guys, when I say guys, that's just general everybody, you know? So um, $15,000. $15,000. Praise the Lord for that, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you so much. And when I called Sharon Grant to tell her, she was elated. And she was so excited. And she wanted me to thank you personally um, for, for the gifts that you gave. 
Then we look at the areas of outreach into our community. We spoil our police department and fire department every year with a meal. And we just to take them a nice meal and show our appreciation to them, we take them. And they don't just let anybody into the police department. You have to have connections. We have connections. And, uh, and so they trust us that we're not going to do anything to their food. Each year, Pastor Tim and I are invited down to the center square where we do a memorial service for the fallen officers. So all the police department is there, the fire department, the mayor, city council. They all come down for this 15, 20 minute memorial service where uh, Tim gets to preach the word and pray for our, 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 our forces. That's a privilege that we have. There's many volunteers who regularly go to three different nursing homes in the community to help our senior citizens. And they are such a blessing to them. Every Monday, we serve up uh, some good music, a message from God's word, and a delicious dinner for the homeless or underemployed of our community. There's about four to eight ladies on Monday morning that come in and, and help prepare the meal. After they leave, then another 30 people come in in the afternoon to sort through all the clothes that have been donated, the food, put it up on the shelves that has been donated, and then the rest are helping to serve the meal and just meet with the people. And there's even people that take the children and go off into another room and teach the children something age-appropriate to them and, and while the adults are out in Fellowship Hall. It's pretty cool. There's a handful of, of people that, that go to Northampton County Jail each week and minister to the inmates. Thanksgiving outreach this year, we served over 30 families. These needy families that they came and, and received a, free me, a meal from us. We partnered with uh, the church in, in, by Cheston. And uh, so some people came over there that didn't have vehicles. So it was really neat to partner with the other church. We had so many volunteers. This is a well-oiled machine that we have on Thanksgiving. If you've come and been a part of it, you see how, how, how um, Mal runs it just so smoothly, and Cheryl and Stephen, they, they get this going so well. There's a crew out here cooking turkeys and, and all that stuff. And um, the third crew that comes is the one that does all the cleanup, all the dishes and pots and pans and stuff. The, second, the first and second crew were so efficient that there was really nothing for them to do but to clean up a few things at the end. Uh, you, this is awesome. Then our children's ministry, where do I start? It's, it, there's like 25 who faithfully serve on Saturday and Sundays in our children's ministry. Then there's another 25 who volunteer uh, for Awana. Twice a year, then they have the after-school program at Cheston School, and there's about 40 that sacrifice their Friday afternoons to go and spend a couple hours with these kids for six weeks straight to minister to these kids who are coming. Then our VBS, there's 75 volunteers it takes to run VBS at both campuses to about 190 kids to come and hear the gospel. That's, that's amazing. Pastor Austin has six to eight volunteers that come and help mold these young teens' lives by the way, he could use a couple more. If anybody likes working with teens, get in touch with Austin. He could really use some help just to expand the one-on-one -on -one type stuff. Mulch Madness and Rakes Giving, they, they each saw 70 volunteers coming out on a Saturday morning to go into our community to help our community with some law needs. 
Now, we just didn't go and rake and run. We used to do this thing when we were younger, when, we were, when I was younger, yes. We used to go called rake and run, where we'd go and rake their leaves and take off before they could see who it was. But now, we said, you know what, we're going to pray with these people. And we're going to invite them to come to have lunch with us. And we're going to invite them to the services. So it's really cool what, what everybody's doing in that. Life groups is another vital part of our ministry. And we would love, encourage each of you to attend a life group. And if you don't have enough of them here, then start one in your home. Go through the training and, and begin having a life group. Because this is really where life on life is lived. You can come to church and be a part of the service, but nobody knows. See, this is what happened. A couple times this has happened. That uh, we got a call from somebody in the church that said, I was in the hospital last week and nobody came to visit me. We had no idea they were in the hospital. Because they didn't call the church and let us know. And, and they are not involved in a life group. So nobody had any idea that they were struggling and they were in the hospital. Had to have surgery or whatever it was. We did not know. I felt bad that nobody knew. But there was, we're not mind readers. You know? We don't know. And as the church grows bigger then it's, it's vital that if you hear that somebody's in the hospital, you need to call us and let us know. Because w w when they're not involved in life groups, when they're not calling us and telling us, then we can't be there to pray with them and walk through and do that with them. So that's, you don't have to pay for that one. That's a little extra. But it is vitally important that if, if you see somebody that's in need, just let us know. Because that's what we're here for. All right, the list could go on and on. There's, there's the worship team, sound and media, greeters and ushers and, and so on that serve faithfully on a weekly basis. That group that I just mentioned, the, the worship team and greeters and media and everything, that's 50 to 60 people on a weekend. Because you know how many worship teams we have? We've got like four, five worship teams and, and they all alternate, so that's a lot of people. That they're sacrificing their time and their talent to serve the Lord. What a privilege. To serve it with them. That's what that therefore is there for. Joshua is saying, now look back and see all that God has accomplished. What God is doing. And let's rejoice in that. And remember that next time that things start going rough for you. You can look back and say, you know what, God, you did this for me in the past. I know you can do it again. I'm not going to let this burden. I'm not going to let this tragedy. I'm not going to let this hard time take me down. Because I've seen what you've done in the past. And you are a faithful God. That's what he's saying. Don't let it get you down. So let's contemplate a little bit. Let's look at this and think about where we are spiritually. He goes on and he says, Fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity. This is still in verse 14. Sincerity and faithfulness. Say, so we are to serve the Lord seriously. Serious sincerity. Serve the Lord and faithfully serve him. But he goes on that, on that verse and, 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 said, and commands them to do what? Let's look at that. He says to put away the other gods that they worshipped when they were in Egypt or on the other side of the river. He says, put those away, those little G's, those little gods. Put them away. And I thought, okay, we have little gods that we tend to worship. And what does that look like? God... Gods that, that many times draw us away 
from the serving the one true God and get us to be looking at ourselves or at our circumstances or things that we shouldn't. For some, their work is their God. They, that's what they are, that's what they're on this earth for is to work and earn money. But others take that same job and see it as their mission field. That's the way we have to look at it. Is, is our job, God gave us that job so we can serve him faithfully there. Okay? Others desire to acquire material possessions and have big houses, while others, God has already blessed them with those things and they use them to faithfully serve him. They open their house up to meals, Bible studies, and people coming in that need a place to stay for a couple days. People use their homes to bless others and their possessions. That list goes on. People worship their own children. I want to give my kids everything that I never had when I was growing up. You've heard that one before, right? We begin to focus on our children, and, and what we've seen is a lot of kids that raise, are being raised up, and they have no sense of responsibility, no sense of uh, delayed gratification, because they've been able to get it right now. Because I want to give my kids everything I never had. Don't ask Caleb about that. That didn't happen in our house. But we worship so many other things. And, and that's, what, that's what he's saying. is Put away those little gods and, and serve me. So what I'm trying to say is that there's a fine line between worshiping God with our things or allowing our thing, worship our things. There's a fine line. And we got to find that balance. we got to find... Where that is. Because God has blessed some of us with the ability, some of you, to earn a lot of money. And, and he wants, how can I use that? How can you use that to faithfully serve him? I know some of you are. It's amazing to watch you bless other people with what you, God has given you. So then he goes on with the biggest challenge in, in this chapter, verse 15. And he says, and if it is evil in your sight to serve the Lord... Choose this day who you will, whom you will serve, whether the gods your father served in the region beyond the river or the gods of the Amorites in the land you dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let me encourage those who have forsaken the way of the world and are serving him faithfully. You've gotten on the wall of service. Many of you have full-time jobs. You're commuting a long distance in, in order to ha allow your family to live here in the Lehigh Valley where the schools are maybe a little better, it's a little safer communities, and you're willing to commute in order to see that accomplished. And, and you come home after a long day at work, but yet you go to the Bible study, or you help out at Awana, or you lead a, a, a life group, or you come and help at, a, at a Riverside. You're still sacrificing and, and serving God where he says, this is where I want you to serve. You don't have to do everything. Let's just start with this one thing. And you're doing it. Thank you for doing that. I want to take a moment because we have uh, elders and deacons in our church who give of themselves two Mondays a month. Then on top of that, they have responsibilities of being an elder and a deacon that, that they're responsible for. Like Jake is, is responsible for, he comes in and counts the money. He comes on, I don't know, he comes sometime during the day. I see him at church once in a while. 
that he's coming and counting all the money, and others. So what I'd like to do is, I'd like to honor them. So if all of our elders and deacons would stand, even the ones that are going off the elder board tomorrow, uh, I want you to stand, and uh, Caleb is one, where Jake was here. Katie, I want you to stand too, and Cody, because they, they have to put up with them being gone. So let's honor them, all right? Thank you very much. Our president, uh, former President Obama, made a statement one time. There was some troubles going on in the Middle East, and he, and he said that he's drawing a line in the sand. This is what Joshua is doing here. He's drawing that line. And he says, you've got a decision to make. You've got to make that decision whether you're going to follow the Lord or you're going to follow the world. You're going to follow the Lord or you're going to follow your own self. That's what he's saying here. You can't straddle the fence. There's, there's, you can't be wishy-washy in your faith. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 24, it says, No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and money. Can't serve God in the world. Can't serve God in self. That's what he's saying. Especially when we see the world coming so strong against Christianity with more venom, venom and hatred. But you know what was refreshing this year? I don't know what, what made the difference, but when you walked into stores and different establishments, they said, actually said, Merry Christmas. I noticed that this year. Maybe there's hope for our country yet. Well, or maybe this is the calm before the storm. And we don't know what's coming down the pipe, but we got to be ready. And so he says, you got to serve, you got to serve it, because if you serve me, we'll see what's going to happen. So what was the response of all the people Starting in verse 16, it says, Then all the people, then the people answered, Far be it from us that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For it is the Lord our God who brought us and our fathers up from the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and who did these, those signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way that we went, and among all the peoples through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out before us all the peoples, the Amorites, who lived in the land. Therefore, we will also serve the Lord, for he is our God. So here it is. This is it. They said, okay. You can almost feel the passion. You know, that was centuries ago. But you can almost feel that, that oh, yes, we're going to do this. God has done so much for us. We're on fire. We're going to do this. We, we must ask ourselves, where has God brought you from? And where is he taking you? Because we can read these things and, and to, to apply it to our lives, we've got to ask God ourselves. These are things you need to be writing down. Where has God brought me from? And where is he taking me? If, when I think about what I could have become if it weren't for the Lord's salvation, it hurts. It scares me. I have four brothers Three of them struggled with alcoholism for years and years. Didn't walk with the Lord. And it, it, it's scary that I, that could have been me. I praise the Lord 
that he called me out. And that's what the children of Israel, they said, you know what? They're asking them, they're saying, they're committing themselves, I'm going to do this. My brothers often would say, I'm not going to drink anymore. And they would be good for five, six months, but then all of a sudden something would happen and they would be back on the sauce. But Joshua goes back, this is what I, I he goes on in verse 19 and 20 and, and says that they are not able to serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He will not forgive your transgressions or your sins if you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods. Then he will turn and do you harm and consume you after having done you good. Wow, that's a stern warning, isn't it? He said there's no way that we can serve the Lord if we forsake him. If we go on our, uh, go find our own satisfaction, if we find our own way, if we're trying to do it in our own strength, in our own, for our own enjoyment, we're not going to serve him. A couple of months ago, Pastor Tim preached a message from Matthew 7 on the Sermon on the Mount series, The King and His Kingdom. It's actually number 30. If you want to go back and listen to it, it's powerful. It's number 30. If you go online, you can find it. This is what Joshua is saying here, and, and, and I would encourage you to go back and listen to that. It's in Matthew 7, verses 21 to 23. It says, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. The people of Israel were making a promise. But verbal promises and actually a changed life are two different things. We'll never be able to keep this promise to serve God. They weren't able to keep it if it's only a verbal assent, a verbal promise. There needs to be a true heart change in order to fully follow hard after God. So he goes on in verse 21 and says, The people said to Joshua, No, but we will serve the Lord. Then Joshua said to the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen the Lord to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. This banter goes back and forth through verse 27. And, it, and it, the Jewish nation is vowing to serve God. And he wrote it down. If you read through that, he wrote it down. And they even put it on a, in a big rock and set this rock up under a tree. They would have put it in a temple, but at that time they did not yet have a temple. In verse 28, then, uh, Joshua sends them all on their way to their inheritance. So... What can we learn from this passage? This is where we need to choose. Let's choose. Point number three. What can we learn from this passage? Other than the fact that if we look past the book of Joshua, just the next page over into Judges, we see really soon that they turn their backs on the Lord. And God had to bring judges into the, into the land to bring them back in, to remind them of who they belong to. Again, this verbal assent doesn't guarantee 
that we will keep our vows to follow hard after God. This is what I want to, want to focus on. If there is a point in time in our life, every one of us, that we know without a doubt that our life is truly changed and transformed. When is that? How do we know that that has happened? Let's look in, in Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to start reading in verse 12. It'll be up on the board here. Colossians chapter 3, starting in verse 12, it says, Put on then... As, chose, as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved. Okay, so this is who he's talking to. He's talking to Christians. Compa he said to put these things on. Compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, patience, bearing with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against you, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all, these things put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to the God, to God the Father through him. You know, time will not allow us to go through this verse by verse, but I want to challenge you. Will you do this for me? When you get home tonight or when you have your quiet time tomorrow, take these verses and just sit down and, and read through these verses one at a time, taking one of those words and asking yourself, am I a compassionate person? Am I kind? Am I humble? Am I meek? Am I patient? And ask God through that to reveal in your heart areas that you're not. And see what happens. But can I also be blunt and honest that I know that there will be some of you who will not take this challenge? If you are the type that, if you don't want to do this exercise, it's kind of like it's a sign that, that you truly haven't been born again. I mean, it, you got to, I'm not the judge, but you have to face it in your heart. Are you coming to church just because it's the thing to do? When Jesus said, when they said, Lord, Lord, didn't we do all these things in your name? Didn't we feed the homeless? Didn't we go rake somebody's yard? Didn't we do this? Didn't we do that? Depart from me. I never knew you. Because there was really never a truly a heart change. And that's what he's saying. So take that challenge and go home and, and go through those verses one at a time and ask God to reveal your heart. Am I a patient person? There's one thing I would like to leave you with, and that is verse 16, where we are to let the word of Christ dwell in us richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does that look like? You'll say, everything that I do, every decision I make, and all 
that we strive to accomplish would first be bathed in the word of God. And what I, is what I, am I doing, does, is it contrary to the word of God? Would, would I be embarrassed if Christ were here with me and I was doing this, or watching this, or saying this, or drinking this, or whatever? This is what he's saying, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. To dwell means that, that, that all that you do and the things that you don't do, you don't do the things that are contrary to the word of God and you would bathe yourself in this and allow the word of God to rule and reign in your heart and only doing what's going to please him. Because I can guarantee you that, that when you strive to please him, you're going to find pleasure in that. Joy and peace. It'll be yours. But you have a choice to make today. Will you devote yourself to God or to continue walking on your own path or in the way of the world? What better time of the year than at the end of the year contemplating a new year to take this time to think about my life, think about your life. What, what, is, what is God doing in my life? What am I doing for Christ? What does he want to do in my life? He has created you and he wants you to become what he's created you to be. And contrary to what you might think, God does have a plan and a purpose for each of you. That's why you're still here on this earth. When your time is done, he's going to take you to glory. And I don't want to get there and he, he says, uh, remember those days that, that you know, I asked you to go and do this for these people? You didn't, you didn't do it. Or remember that time that, that you had... You had these thoughts in your mind and I was coming around you and, and I was trying to help you to, to thwart those thoughts, but you just pushed me aside. You know, he's going to, we're going to have some regrets when we get to heaven and he's going to wipe those all away. But let's enjoy the ride that God has created for you. Let's watch him do some amazing things in us through in, in, the, in 2018. All right. So we've taken a few minutes to remember that's what I want you to do in your bulletin is take some things and remember all that we've done through the people of Cornerstone, but write down what, you, what God has done in your life. And secondly, we, we've contemplated our life and the state of our spiritual well-being. And thirdly, we have a choice to make. And that choice is to choose this day whom you're going to serve. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. It's a given. It has to be. It's the only place that you're going to really enjoy life with whatever he has. Let's pray.